Good morning, everyone. As always, it is so, so very good to see you. Some of you may wonder who in the world is that standing up there. My name is Previn Vang. I'm the pastor here during this interim uh, period when the church is uh, looking to have a, a new full-time pastor after the long and great tenure of Stephen Hatfield. Um, just to, uh, to correct Troy, you know, which I actually enjoy doing quite a bit. <laughs> or oh, is his name Trey? I forget. Uh, just kidding. Just, you know. When we get to this time, there'll be deacons sitting on the side. If you just raise your hand and they will come and bring you if you didn't get one of those right here. And those of you are, who are at home or, or in a car or, uh, wherever you may be in the cabin and wherever, um, go ahead. If you have a, you know, a little piece of bread someplace or, or the juice or even just a simple water, uh, and participate. We'll love for you, uh, to participate when, when that time comes. I want to talk to you about uh, faith like we have been doing uh, also uh, today. And I want to kind of tackle it maybe from a different uh, angle, if you will. I'm going to speak from Second Timothy. If you're not sure where in the world that is and how to find that, just kind of go to the back of the Bible. If you get to something called Hebrews, back up a bit and you'll be there. Um, it is uh, probably the last letter from Paul's hand. We'll get to that. Let me begin by saying this. Most people have a favorite genre, either of literature or movies or something, you know, we like some like mystery, uh, some, some like uh, tragedy, some like comedy, some like romance, some like epic, some like historical documentaries or, or whatever it may be. But there's hardly anything that can be more captivating, if you will, more riveting than to read a biography about a person whose a character, personality, identity, if you will, had been through a strong development, and you can see how that person had been used by God. The same is true even when we do Bible studies. It's not, you know, it, it's it's. If you can ever find time to deepen uh, your 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 understanding of the characters of Scripture. You will find that about us as captivating as anything. I think, you know what? What made Abraham make the decisions that he did? Or how did he do it? How did, did uh, Moses tackle kind of the conflicts that, that he was in? How, how did Joshua handle the challenges that were before him? How did Elijah find the boldness to kind of step up in front of, of all these Baal's, uh, prophets, if you will? How did Jeremiah overcome his, his depressions? How did, did Paul, in spite of all that was going on with, with famine and shipwrecks and beatings and prison, still keep his focus and hold up his stamina, so to speak, right? Biographies and, and descriptions of characters has this strange way of being able to inspire us in ways that, that are extraordinary for us to grow and for us to develop. And so beyond the biblical figures, of course, we can, we can find some of the same inspiration also, uh, from well-known personality in history, both those who have had imp- importance and, and, and powerful effect 
on the way the kingdom of God is developed on earth and those that are just are, are well-known historical figures. For example, if you study a Martin Luther who stood up against the whole known world at that time, the, the whole uh, Christian world certainly, uh, and he stood firm, or John Calvin, or Balthasar Hupmeyer, or, or, you know, Abraham Lincoln, or, or for that matter, uh, as, as you move forward and, and look at, at some of these uh, people uh, that are there. What about at Winston Churchill? Um, what grows a personality like that? What, what captivates someone? What is, what is, what are we talking about when we talk about a, an identity that can stand firm the way they do? I know some of you may think, well, my life is just not like that. This is so far from my everyday, but it's really not when you start thinking about it for just a moment. Just think about it like this. If you take it down just a notch uh, and, and think about what's going on, we, we tend to find inspiration and help from peers and friends around. You know, parents will ask other parents, how did you do? When your kids did like that, how do you handle this when your kids are doing uh, these kinds of things? Grandparents may even do some of the same kind of thing. And people who are in crises and they're not sure how to handle that, they, they find other people in crises and, and talk it over with them to kind of find that. Going through problems and depressions and, and other things, we, we tend to see if we can find help and inspiration from people uh, that have come through it. In a strong way. There's just something about this. Is there not? Think about that. Spiritual growth. Is very much. Like that. As well. Here too. We need strong. Role models. The Bible is filled with encouragement. And inspiration for us to grow. In our understanding of who God is and the effect that that has for the way we walk with him. And so when people grow spiritually, and I want to make that connection very clear. When people grow spiritual, spiritually, it directly affects their personality and their character and their identity. So that relationship between faith and identity is pretty clear. When you grow spiritually, you'll find also that your mind is expanded and, and deepened. Your thought is changing with that. You'll find new resources to, to conquer, you know, crises and conflict and, and the problems that, that come your way. You, you'll see how God, through His Spirit, will impact and move even your temperament. Things change. As you grow in your understanding of who God is. And it is up to us, friends, to choose whether we would just go on like spiritual babies and just live the life like anybody else would without faith. And we just have added a little kind of convictional stuff on the side. Or we want to truly grow deep in our walk with God and see how that transformed not only us, but our homes, our friends, our workplaces, even our community. Paul speaks to that in the first seven verses of Second Timothy. If you have found it by now, Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 1, Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice and now I'm convinced in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift that God, uh, the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hand. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of sound judgment. Look at those verses for a moment. And we're just going to kind of try to unpack some of what's going on here. This is a most riveting kind of uh, little letter Paul writes here. You will have time to read both of them, if you will, in a few minutes uh, after uh, the service or sometimes this afternoon. Paul wrote this letter just a couple of weeks uh, before he was, he was decapitated. And you see what's going on here. He is entrusting uh, the gospel to his close friend, his what he calls son in ministry, Timothy. And there's something about their relationship uh, that is unique and special, and Paul recognizes this. But notice what's going on here. As he writes this letter, this close to his death, hey, which he clearly, clearly is aware of the letter. Just read the letter ending, right? I'm ready to be poured out, but I run the race. I've kept the faith. It is a very clear statement. And he just reveals who he is in the strongest way here. His whole personality is put in perspective. Just by this opening verse right here in this letter. Hey, friend, my name is Paul, your friend. You know, the one who is set to proclaim the promise of life. That is in Jesus Christ. That's it. That reveals everything, does it not? Think a bit. Think about this. If I had a dear friend, I knew that the days that I would be alive still could be counted pretty quickly. I could think of all kinds of things that I would say. My dear friend, I think of so many good times we had. I am beyond grateful for your deep friendship that had lasted through thick and thin and, and ups and down and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm so grateful that I can look forward to, to seeing you in glory one day. Is it not great that our lives are kept in the hands of God? Something like that, right? And, and it would be all good. But Paul doesn't write that. He's not hiding in the past in any way. And he's not trying to escape to the future. Right there in the middle of a prison cell, knowing the way things are going, he's revealing a character that has the power to still focus on the present. I am writing to you because I'm called to share the life the promise of life that is 
in Jesus Christ. And right through that statement, Timothy is aware keenly from the beginning that this is a statement that is faith creating and encouraging for this young man. I live to proclaim the promise of life, the life that is found in Jesus Christ. Friends, that's an identity that has been shaped by Jesus Christ. Now look in verse 3 and verse 5 and and see how he's kind of putting it all together from from a very, very strong kind of way. And and I hope that you're listening in also as you're you're not in this room, but as you're listening in and, and just think through this here. With us as we look at this verse, we're simply going to go through God's word here, word by word, almost certainly line by line. Maybe this first word is a word especially to parents or, or maybe grandparents. You know, we all live, you know that, we all live with our upbringing. Most of us carry that around our whole lives. There's, there's, you know, uh, two smaller or or high degree, uh, that will be true of, of everybody. But think of that. Turn that around for a moment. We often think, think of that as a negative statement. But imagine the opportunity that comes with that. For a parent. For a grandparent. Just think of that for a moment. We have the chance as parents to implant in our children materials that, that are weatherproof. Are you getting this? That are freeze and heat resistant. Things that are not fragile as glass and that will last way longer than paper. Real strong stuff. That could be implanted in our children. Oh, if we just saw the importance of that. Think about how we use our time and how we, we, we interact with our children. Just imagine what that can do. Parents and grandparents and those that come after that and children, this stuff runs in generations. Paul is clear here when he, he deals with this. This is the teaching. I give thanks to God with a clear conscience, just as my forefathers or my ancestors did. And then he moves on. And he talks about the faith that was very clear, both in his grandmother and his mother, and now also in, in Timothy. You know, research into human behavior has revealed to us very clearly how, how the building blocks for life are mostly shaped in the early years of a child. Just think of this for just a moment. Timothy had grown up 
in a godly home. We know from, from the book of Acts that his father was Greek, but, but his mother and his grandmother were, were Jewish women that had come to faith. Paul had led him to faith, maybe even simultaneously with Timothy. We don't know that, but it is pretty clear that that's what they know. And even before that, if you read on to chapter 3, Paul talks about Timothy have grown up, even from his earliest childhood like that. These women, even before they knew Christ, they had grown up with that Old Testament and they have grounded him in an understanding of who God is. So that he from his earliest childhood were acquainted with scriptures. Now you may not have grown up with that. Very few of us have. Many have grown up very radically different from that. But your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren don't have to. Right? Because you are in charge of that in so many ways. So what can you give your children? We're talking about your faith identity, right? You can give them time and you can make sure that that time that you give them is used in a wise way. It's not just you sitting in the bleacher somewhere screaming at them, doing something over there. But you spend that time making sure that you're implanting in them building blocks that have lasting value, that are durable, that, that will take the storms of life. Think about it. I had to ask myself, even preparing this, said, what did you do? I was pretty keenly alert to that when my kids were small. And I had to now ask myself, am I just as alert to that when my grandkids are small? This is one of the things. So, so the question I ask myself is how often do I, I spend time not just chit-chatting about this and that, which is important as well, but also trying to teach them and let them understand who God is and the importance of who he is for our understanding of everything in life. Open scripture with them and let them see how faith works in light of who God truly is. Through Jesus Christ. Personality is developed through that. Paul, first thing Paul mentions right here. But he goes on and he talks here in verse 4 about a second element with that. He talks about friendship. Those that we are among will impact the way we think and, and have influence on one's personality. To have good friends is, is a tremendous significance. It matters, and Paul highlights that here too. And, and it is extraordinary to have actual deep, deep friendships where you dare to share from the depths of your heart. Notice what he's saying when he says here, you know, I remember you. I remember the tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy, not just some superficial. Oh, it was great to see you the other day. You know, I hope you're doing well. I, I clicked you on Facebook, but actual depth of friendship. And again, Paul has had many, many co-workers, and you can read about them if you read Scripture uh, traditionally, or even if you haven't done it before. Begin so now. 
you can see them anything, but there's something special. I have no one like Timothy. The Lord had, had kind of moored them together in a very special way. And so Paul would pour out of his experience, of his wisdom, of his knowledge, of, of what he's learned from his walk with Christ to help the young Timothy. This is how true, genuine, deep friendships develop, friends. And, and Paul is pretty clear. I, I, it's hard to, to imagine what's, what's going on here. I give thanks to God as I remember you in my prayers. How does he give thanks to God day and night? This is significant. It is like he's saying, you know, of all the things we do, prayer matters. So what is, is, is he saying? He says, I may be an active man, but you need to see that prayer matters here. So I want to encourage you all. Would you be a friend like that? Or if you, don't, or you feel I'm not quite there yet, will you find a friend like that? A friend that you can truly rub shoulders with, that you can learn from, that are willing to pour into your life. Someone you're willing to actually share the deepest thoughts with. Someone you can actually walk with and learn from. Someone you can share the gospel with. Someone who can do ministry, gospel ministry with you in the neighborhood or in the workplace or or where you are with some of these things. And then pray together. Pray together. Pray together because not only is it true that prayer changes things, it's also true that without prayer, nothing truly changes. Read God's word together. And some people, and I know that because I'm a little bit like that, they say, well, you know, I do my prayers and it's not... I'm just an active guy. I'm not one of these that can sit for hours and pray and all that. And I read that and I think of that and I think of myself like that because I am a little bit like that. And then I look at Paul. No one is more active than him. Always going someplace. Always being thrown in jail or being beaten or being... He's out starting a church talking about Jesus everywhere. And yet he's able to say, I pray for you, my friend. Night. And they, there's something here that is significant for friendships, true, deep friendships. And I want to ask you if you're a friend like that. I have to ask myself that. I have to ask myself also, do I know a friend like that? Am I seeking to find a friend like that? And now... He moves on, talking not just about the tools that God uses for spiritual growth or for creating faith identity, you know, family and friends and, and that. But he talks also here about the, the foundation for it, the gifts of grace, God's spiritual, graceful gifts. Even a superficial reading of Timothy will let us know 
that he in his own personality was weak. He struggled with health. Uh, we know that he had uh, you know, just kind of difficult. He was very cautious. He was timid. He was, he was somewhat uh, fearful. So much that you have to wonder, why would Paul, with a personality like that, a young and inexperienced, why would Paul take and put the mantle of him on him to continue the work that Paul knew that he was not going to be able to continue? And the answer is found in that sentence where he is reminding Timothy that God had equipped him to do things far beyond his own ability. That the graceful gifts of God, the pouring out of God's grace, if you will, will give Timothy the opportunity to be someone other than what was possible just through his natural ability. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Just like many of us may want to just kind of hide in anonymity. Paul is reminding Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity. As some, some translations would have that. The word can kind of mean both. But one of power, one of love, and one of prudence or self-discipline. However, that word again is translated. It can be going both ways. And notice the power here, right? How does he, how does he, uh, counter fear? I don't want to lose you on this, right? Because we think of fear just like the opposite of that is courage. That's not the case. Fear comes from concern that I'm not able to do. When you look inward and you say, I may not be able to do all these things. Love grows from a concern for the well-being of others. Have you seen a power comes from God. Prudence comes from being eager to live out in obedience the ways of God. It's the realization that, 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 you know, true wisdom does not come from the mind of folks, but from the revelation of God. And so notice the power that is, that is in here when you see the opposite of fear is not just courage, but these three things. And that brings us to a close with this. You look at verse 6. Again, like a, like a final statement. Paul is saying you need to fan this into flame. Or to rekindle, to use the word in this translation. To rekindle the gift that God has given you. You know, some people live life as if it's just automatic. Whatever happens, happens, and nothing we can do about it, and there's, that's it. But that's not Paul's emphasis here. Maybe I can illustrate it by using an illustration of, of an athlete. You know, just because you have great muscular coordination, just because you have a nat- natural kind of athletic ability does not make you a good ball player. Whether you're talking football or basketball or tennis or whatever kind of ball play you want to say, it takes rekindling of that gift. Yes? It takes fanning into flame, exercise and work and training for doing that. The same would be true. Just because, like Troy, you can hear the difference between a minor and a flat. 
doesn't mean that you are a good singer, right? Just because you have a beautiful voice, that takes practice. That takes exercise. That takes use of the gift that God has given you, yes? That's how it works also with this. That's what Paul is talking about when he's saying here, fan into flame the gift that you were given. And so notice what's going on in this text. It is as if Paul is saying here in his last breath to his son in ministry, your faith identity will become strong. I had every trust in that. And as you do, work on this gift that God has given you. Don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the grace of God. That's where it is. And work on it. And if your life depended upon it, because it does. As if it is the most important thing in your life, because it is. Imagine, friends. Of all the conversations that are going on in our homes, in all the time we spend with so many things, imagine if these were the conversations. Or on our phones, on our FaceTime messages, or on our, you know, whatever you do, right? Um, Marco Polo, right? Whatever it is. Imagine what God could do right here in our church. In Louisville, through us, in this community, just imagine. Set our hearts that our identities are shaped by our faith in Jesus Christ. And the vigor, the passion with which we do that is straight out of this passage. As we go to the Lord's Supper in just a moment. Maybe spend some time talking about that with God. Maybe reflecting that. Maybe you will grab someone's hand even in that moment. And say, let me say a prayer with you. I want to talk more about that this afternoon. Maybe when you get to Bible study groups and other times when you meet. Father, we ask for an outpouring of your spirit right here. We ask for our children that they may know these kind of building blocks that they see it, us as parents and as grandparents that we desire to implant in them durable, lasting, weatherproof kind of materials in their life. And Father, as we ourselves are looking for friends, as we ourselves are looking to walk with you, may it be a desire that grows in us in such a way that we have that focus. My identity is shaped by no none other than Jesus Christ and the grace that flows from his throne and the power that comes by his spirit even through those around me. May that happen. Allow us, Father, to not just sit still but eager for that reality. Amen. Amen.